0: Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Good afternoon. Awesome. Um, even though there's a lot going on in our country and around the world, uh, it is very good to be in the house of the Lord. So, very glad to see all of you. Uh, we are in Matthew 5, 5. That's our scripture for today. It says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, um, would, you, would, you rather be, um, would you rather be weak or would you rather be strong? If you had to pick between one of the two. I just started, uh, well I've been on a, a, like a two year journey of figuring out what's gonna be my consistent exercise. I was, I started a rock climbing gym and then I was running and I was cycling before that and you know doing all these different things. And now I'm getting CrossFit crushed by Coach Van Jones in his garage. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's great, but it's also horrible at the same time. And, you know, I just started doing this this past week, and it's like, man, like, I really am out of shape. And it's not a good feeling uh, to be out of shape. It's not a good feeling to to feel weak and be like, man. But then there's like, you know, you kind of feel, especially when you do uh, certain kinds of exercises. I do start working out just a little bit. You know, even after just a couple times, you kind of start to feel a little bit stronger, you know. And so two times this week, and I'm already like... I woke up on Saturday and I was like, man, I kind of feel like, kind of like the Hulk a little bit, you know, and I was already starting to go to my head after all of two workouts that I didn't even finish half the way, you know, and I had to like lay down multiple times because I was going to pass out. Um, weakness and strength, you know, it's, we don't want to be weak, but as soon as we start to get a little bit of strength, well, then it starts to go to our head and we can start to abuse it, not just physically, right? but in all the ways that, all the kinds of power and authority that uh, you can have in your life, whether it. Uh, and largely, it's typically not physical. Oftentimes, it's, it is relational. Um, it has to do with your home life or your work life or church life or school life. And this kind of tension between strength and weakness is uh, something that Jesus taps into here when he is instructing his disciples, um, really before he even begins instructing, because what he's given us right here off the bat in the Sermon on the Mount aren't commands. He's really painting a portrait of his way of being in his world. And it's compelling, it's beautiful, and yet it's also really difficult and surprising. And so, um, this idea of, of meekness, is it—is it strength? Is it weakness? Is it some kind of combination of the two? What is it? Um, how do we become meek? And, um, and, and why should we? And so, um, I want us to join, as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, and as we'll continue doing in this series, joining Jesus on this mountain. So he has just started his ministry, and he started healing people and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, or of himself, and uh, people start, you know, crowds start coming around, and they're kind of cramping his style a little bit, and he runs away from them and goes up on this mountain, and then his disciples follow him, and then he sits down, and he begins to instruct them on his kingdom, on what, what life is like when he is on the throne. When he's on the throne of your life, when he's on the throne of a community, of a, of a church, and of the world, ultimately. And he begins with these nine sayings, which we call the Beatitudes. These blessed attitudes that are, again, ups, they seem upside down to us, but really they're actually right side up. And Jesus is giving his true and compelling picture of what the good life is. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, you know, meekness, even if, you, if you've heard a sermon on meekness before, you've probably heard how it's described, and I think mean, rightfully so, that, you know, it's, it's not weakness. I mean, even though the, the word meekness It doesn't doesn't conjure up all the greatest, you know, like images. I mean, you just kind of get the image of like, you know, like hippie Jesus with like, you know, flowing hair and like a flower in his hair and like, or his hair and and no backbone and this kind of just like, you know, Jesus, gentle, meek and mild and it's not, it's not a Jesus that's really enticing and it's also not the Jesus that we're presented with in the New Testament. Um, And meekness, what the word means is it means strength under control strength under control or some other ways to put it is you know stewarded strength so it's it's not pure brute force and strength but it's also not just you know like being a jellyfish just kind of spineless no backbone it's some kind of combination of the two Strength with control or strength with the brakes on, strength with some reserve is the idea of meekness. Now, you know, what this starts to, what this does push against is, you know, what our egos want, which is for there to be no inkling of lack of strength or lack of power or lack of authority in our lives Um, We would rather do the opposite, even if it makes us look bad, which is, in our own ways, oftentimes more subtle than direct. Be pushy. Be forceful. Um, If you have any position of leadership, you just kind of work with this assumption that it means you are domineering. And um, we would would rather that than have any semblance of, of weakness or whatever this meekness thing might be. Strength and weakness. Um, It makes me, this idea, it makes me think about, um, you know, like a a little dog. Think of a chihuahua, maybe. Chihuahua, not all little dogs. We've had little dogs in the past, and they weren't necessarily like this, but I have met little dogs like this with small dog syndrome. Now, small dog syndrome, I'm sure you may have heard of this, and sometimes it gets projected onto people, which is, you know, just kind of, kind of mean, but you know, um, I think there's something there in all of us. All right, small dog syndrome, where because, I mean, okay, so Chihuahua, they really are kind of vulnerable, right? They're not big enough to really, I mean, you know, if if a predator or a bigger dog was coming after them, I mean, you know, they they are vulnerable. That that's the reality. They're small, and so what do they do? They oftentimes, and not just any Chihuahua owners in here. Raise your hand if you are. Okay. All right. So we can just talk freely about chihuahuas. All right. not picking on them, but I kind of am. Um, you know, they overcompensate, right, by barking. I mean, you just look at them, and they're like barking at you, like, don't get close to me, you know, like trying to scare you, you know? And it. I mean, it kind of works a little bit, because you're just like, okay, that thing's crazy, but it really doesn't work, because it's, it's just comical, because you can kind of see what they're doing. You can see that they're they're aware of how small they are and how defenseless they are and how they're, you know, trying to overcompensate for it. And it just kind of becomes a joke. And that's where, you know, people do take that. they have small dog syndrome and, you know, import it on to people as well. It's like, oh, someone who is, you know, maybe physically small or maybe, I guess that's typically what it is. But I think it can be other things as well. And you overcompensate in ways that you think are, you know, working, but really just makes you look even worse as you do that. Um, the, the, that idea of um, you know, overcompensating I think is where, where you and I kind of come into contact with this idea of meekness. Of where we don't really know our strength, we don't really know our stature or our position or our authority. And so we end up with small dog syndrome, either in like just kind of like hilarious comical ways or in um, other ways that are a little bit more difficult to see. Kind of like I mentioned a second ago, if you have any kind of position of leadership, whether you are you know at work and you have people that work for you or in the classroom, um, you know, any any arena, in the home um, some of you are like, like, look, I'm literally at the bottom of the totem pole for everything, you know. Well, And at some point, probably in the near future, that won't necessarily be the case. But for many of us, there are people who are, quote unquote, under. And this oftentimes can get worked out in relationships with those under you. Really, they're under your care. Um, but that it can get worked out in those arenas where it may not obviously look like just you know yapping. Um, but that's what it ends up being because it's it's pushy. It it can be you can be aggressive, and you can be domineering without uh, really even uh, noticing it. There is a um, if you want to turn there with me just a few chapters over in Matthew uh, chapter 27. There's a pretty striking moment in Jesus's life when this. He's coming to an intersection of this idea of strength under control and it's, and it's being uh, tested and it's being pressed. And so if you look with me in Matthew 27, um, starting in verse 39, now verse 39 picks up right where, where Jesus is right now, he is hanging on the cross. He has just recently been betrayed by one of his friends and disciples with a kiss, handed over to the authorities of the time, and he has been beaten, and he has been mocked, and now he has been nailed to a cross and hoisted up above the earth. He has a, you know, um, a sarcastic sign over his head that says, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And then in verse 39, it says this, And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So I'm going to stop there because we see three different uh, groups of people in this moment mocking Jesus as he's hanging there on the cross. And so first you get the um, just random people walking by. So these are people that have no emotional investment in Jesus that we're aware of, and yet they're still heartless enough to see another human being being executed, and they feel some sort of power over him because they've heard, obviously, the things he's said. He he said, look, if you destroy this temple, I'm going to rebuild it in three days, referring to himself, and they were like, this took years to Rebuild, how are you gonna do it in three days? If you're the son of God, you know, why don't you come down from the cross? They're they're testing him, they're they're saying, look, you have made all these claims, these strength claims throughout your life. And now look at you. You've been rejected by the people closest to you, betrayed by them, you've been physically dominated and now you are at the very end if you really are God then it's reasonable enough to think you could get yourself out of this situation This verse 41 we get the next group of people that address Jesus so also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders so now you've got the leaders the people with the authority in that area saying he saved others He cannot save himself. They're not even talking to him. They're talking to, they're making like a a teaching moment out of this as he's hanging there on the cross. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. I'll stop there again. Same thing. They're saying, let him come down. Again, they're not even talking to him. They're talking to the people, making a lesson out of this. You know, in that moment, I mean, can you just imagine I mean, put yourself in their shoes of like, this is the guy who has, who has threatened our authority for three years now and made all these claims and done all this stuff. He's healed people. He's casted out demons. He's started this movement. And now we've got him, and we want everybody to see this and acknowledge this. And then the, the last verse in this section is, to me, maybe the saddest one, he says, or it says, and the robbers who were crucified with him. Right? So we and it says a little bit earlier that he wasn't crucified alone. He actually had someone on each side of him as well, who had been convicted of crimes and were being crucified. The robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine if that was you. You are, you are in the same spot as Jesus being murdered, being crucified, and you have the audacity to mock him. Jesus has... I mean, he has... You can't get any lower than that. Come down from the cross. If you're really the son of God, come down. And we know what goes on to happen. He doesn't come down from the cross. He stays on the cross until he breathes his last breath. And then we're told, a little bit later on, in uh, Matthew 27, verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit, so he is, he dies, and the very next thing that happens, verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs also were opened, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of the tombs after his resurrection when they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Jesus in that moment, he looked completely weak, completely powerless, completely dominated. And yet, it was not his weakness that kept him on the cross. It was actually his strength that kept him on the cross. Jesus earlier says, look, if, when that, right when he gets arrested, when Judas betrays him and he's literally getting, you know, handcuffed and taken away and one of his disciples, probably Peter, who knows, probably, he takes his sword, most likely trying to cut his head off and he, the, the servant ducks and he just gets his ear. His ear falls to the ground and then Jesus... He, I mean, if if that was me, I would say, you know, first of all, like, where did you get that sword from? I don't know. My disciples were carrying swords. So you got this sword over here. And then also, this is my chance to, like, make a break for it. And Jesus addresses his disciple who cut the ear off. And he says, essentially, what are you doing? And then he goes on to say, do you not know that I could call on my father and he could send 12 legions of angels a legion is is was a term for a size of uh, military anywhere from three thousand to six thousand so a lot especially in that time so he's talking like approximately 50 ish give or take some thousand angels to come down here and put an end to this and me not end up getting taken away to die and does he do that no he doesn't do that because it was not his weakness that led him to this point in his life and ultimately to lose his life, but his strength. Because he had a he had he came to do something much more difficult than just make it through this life without being hated and pushed out of the world and onto a cross. He came to do what is then told is when he dies to have the curtain of the temple between where anyone could go most of the time. And the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go once a year to open that up and then for rocks to be split so he's actually he's not just you know, healing our souls he's actually doing something with actual world the earth the physical things that he created in the very beginning and then he's also raising people from the dead Jesus it, it was his strength to, um, to say I've got a bigger battle to fight that he came to to Kills sin and death right because that whole time he he's essentially silent now he does cry out to his father but what you don't see Jesus doing is having small dog syndrome on the cross you don't see him yapping 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 and saying well no 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 you don't know I or making insults at them he's just there silent hanging That is meekness. That is meekness. That is strength under control. That is stewarded strength. And Jesus was able to do that because he knew his strength. Not in his humanity, but because of who he was with his father. This is amazing. Um, An often overlooked part of what Jesus came to do for you and I. And if you want to turn there, you can. I'm just going to read one verse in Romans 8, verse 30, or you can just listen to me read it. There's parts of this that were like, yeah, 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 we get that. If I've been around the Bible at all, I know that that's part of it. And then the last thing he says, you're like, wait, what? I don't know what to do with that. Romans 8, verse 30 says this, and those whom he predestined, all right, I know depending on where you're at theologically, you may be more or less comfortable with that but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is a Bible word, okay? Not a theology word. So you, you know, we have to grapple with it. Predestined. He also called. So he doesn't only, you know, um, choose us out of his sheer love, nothing that we do, but then he also calls you to himself. So in the course of your life, he uses people and circumstances and situations to open up your heart and your mind to him and to draw you to himself but who he also calls, he also justified. So he sets you rights. He makes you from an enemy into a friend, into a son, or into a daughter. And then the last one of this, you know, as it's been called this golden chain of salvation. The, the last link in it, we often kind of skip over, forget, or don't know what to do with. It says this. And those whom he justified, he also glorified which feels a little sacrilegious because you're like, I thought I was the one that was supposed to be glorifying Him. And now it's saying He's glorifying me. Now, you got to be really careful because it's, He's not saying like, you know, now you're the one that I worship. That's not what He's saying. But what He's doing is He's saying, you, elsewhere in the New Testament it talks about how when you place your faith in Christ, it's not like you just, you know, get your check mark in the book of life and you kind of get to go. You actually become a partaker in the divine nature Jesus died and rose again to share with you what is his to give you his status you become a co-heir with him and what what is what is he going to inherit what is what rightfully belongs to him everything all of it you become a co-heir with him um you know, elsewhere, uh, it talks about how, you know, we, we are a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. I mean, the idea is that if, if, if God, who is your father through Christ, is the king of everything, and now you are adopted into the family, you now, because of the blood of Christ, are now part of that family. You are now royalty too. Again, not in spite of everything that you have done and despite of all that you bring to the table, right? This is, not a, this is not a health and wealth, self-help thing. This is just the amazing gift of grace that God gives to us freely in Christ. That he doesn't just you know, wash our sins away, which would be more than enough, but then he gives to you on top of that all this amazing, this amazing seating with him. He seats us with Christ in the heavenly places. Francis Schaefer has uh, this great idea that he wrote a whole book around, but just this simple idea there are no little people. When it comes to the idea of meekness, I think it can be easy to think, okay, well, then I just, you know, I need to actually I need to lean in the, the gentleness side. I need to, and we should, right? We should pursue that. But actually, your meekness problem and my meekness problem isn't that you don't, that you know your strength too much, but it's actually that you don't know it enough. Because to be meek, to have strength under control, you have to know your strength. You have to know that you have authority. You have to know that you have power so that you can steward it. Again, this doesn't come from us. This is, this is the work of Jesus in our life. This is the presence of His Spirit. And this is one of the things that the enemy wants to tell you because you do live in the already and not yet. Where you say, well, I look at my life and I, I see failure. I see sin. I see all these things that aren't. And the enemy, he can accuse. He can point out those things, but he can't condemn. He can't make a judgment on you. That's what Jesus came to do. He made the judgment. So don't let the enemy do what Jesus has already done for you and what only he can do for you. And so, you know, it's probably good that most of us are not really comfortable being like, you know what, I am a child of the king. You know, that's, that's, that's probably good instinct. But it's also not good to resist that entirely. As opposed to um, small dog syndrome, you know what I think Jesus envisions his kingdom to be? What He what he's making the world into be? I think what he's doing and what he wants for you and for me and for his kingdom at all times and all places is to be full of gentle giants. I think that's what he wants to do. And again, you're not a giant because of anything you've done, but he's like, look, do you not... I mean, Luke 2, Jesus sends out his disciples two by two and says, I'm giving you my authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. So he delegates his authority to his disciples. He, de- he delegates his authority to us as well. When you know you have power, I mean, just think about like a, like a physically, you know, Andre the Giant or some, you know, like huge, the rock or something. It's like, you know, they don't have to Intimidate you in any with anything because they know their strength, right? They they know that about them, and so they actually can choose to abuse their strength, or they can choose to steward it. But before you can be meek, you have to know your strength, and it's it's something that the enemy wants to drain you of. Um, he wants to drain you of your authority in Christ that you actually have authority over. The, the principalities and the kingdom of darkness. Again, we won't see it perfectly in this life because, because God is bringing His kingdom in and it's not here yet. But it's there. The enemy is just scared. He's just scared to have the redeemed people of God like actually believe beyond what you know, they bring to the table, what, who God makes them, who God has made you to be and to be able to do. So don't, you know, don't look back and say, well, look, like this, this, and this, show me that, oh, man, maybe I, maybe I don't have that authority, maybe I don't have that power, maybe I don't have that strength. Look, that's just part of living in a, in a broken body, in a broken world, and that's just part of it. But don't allow that to speak a better word than what Jesus says of you. What he gives to you and the power of his resurrection that does live inside of each of those who have placed their faith in him um, you know on a, on a kind of a, a more pointed practical note you know I think there it's easy to think well you know this is all well and good and, and, and all the, at the end of the day this is about an attitude of the heart right specifically this meekness thing it's about just how we carry ourselves about how you carry yourself wherever you go But I do think there's something unique about the workplace where, because it is kind of, there is a hierarchy there. And there's not necessarily hierarchy in most other, you know, just, you know, most other places, but there's, there is that there. And so I think meekness is one of the things where we think, okay, this is great, but when it comes to my vocation, when it comes to my job, what about ambition? What about strength? What about like pushing forward? What about all of that? And it's interesting, Because uh, Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great, and and he talks about five levels of leaders, and, you know, talks to, you know, the first level, and goes all the way up, and then the fifth level, and you think, okay, well, what, what is it about, what makes the best leaders of, you know, these organizations, the best leaders of these organizations? Is it like they're just the most skilled, or the most experienced, or they're the most, like, driven, or they're the, like... What they're the best communicators, what is it? And they, they did this study and they came to find out that the top level leaders have a combination of two things personal humility and an indomitable will, which sounds a little bit like meekness to me, an ability to be humble while knowing the authority and power that you have. So don't give up on meekness in your job. Don't give up on meekness in your relationships. Don't give up on meekness in any area of your life because it doesn't look like it works. But if it worked for Jesus, who ended up getting a name that is above all names, couldn't it work for you? I want us to have a few moments to uh, to spend some time with Jesus and just reflect. And so, we're going to have um, a couple of just questions to reflect on on the screen. And I'll give you a few moments to do this, and then I'll come back and um, lead us in celebrating the Lord's Supper. But two questions for you uh, to just kind of prime the pump to process with Jesus: How often am I aware? So, this is talking about your just awareness, your level of comfortability with this, this kind of um, what we're talking about with Christ. My authority, my status, and my glory in Jesus. Again, remember, this is not in and of yourself, but this is gifted to you through Christ. And it's important that we, we see that and we lay hold of it. And then, you know, what area of my life would benefit most from growing in meekness? What relationships, what corners of your life could you see stepping into meekness more being a benefit so i'm going to give everyone just a few moments to pray to reflect if you want to journal however you want to do it just a few moments and i'll come back up and lead us we're so glad you joined us today if you would like to stay connected with us visit our website at antiochbhm.com where you can also find us on instagram facebook or youtube if you have any questions about today's message or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today Please email us at info at Go in peace.